One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, I'm Jason Cundy and you are listening to the TalkSport Daily podcast. Mr. Goldstein is off this week, so you've got the other half, it says here, of the dynamic sports bar duo. On today's show, you'll hear all the fallout from Monday night's London derby between West Ham and Arsenal. Tony Bellew tells Anthony Joshua who is the biggest threat to his newly regained heavyweight titles. And Danny Murphy tells Everton who they need to sign as their manager. But first up, following Chelsea's transfer ban being lifted for January, ex-Premier League manager Ian Holloway told the Allen Brazil Sports Breakfast that Chelsea should be doing everything to sign his former player, Wilfred Zaha, in the next window. But who do they need? Do they need a sparkling player, an exciting player? Do they need, a, let's say, let, let's think of a, a Zaha. I think he would be fantastic over there. I don't, I don't. I don't want Palace to lose him, but in reality, he's going to have to go. He's going to have to go. Um, I would love to see him in that sort of team. Would would well, it'd be, it'd drive the Palace fans mad? But and, I, and I'm not wishing this. But no, we don't January, want to wish Would he go in January? Oh, who knows? I am. God, is I don't want to upset him. No, no. It, I I I think I'm only looking at who you'd want him to feed him. That I I think he's improving all the time. I really do see an end product from him and and. Um, I think he's a smashing player. I man. think he's. I I just love him. I, he's one of my favourites ever because I've never seen anybody do what he. he and I, can and do. I, I'll be honest, with you, I do think he gets a bit unfair treatment. I do. Now to the sports bar with me, the duck. I'm not saying duck lover. With me, Cundy <laughs> and Gary O'Neill taking your calls after West Ham versus Arsenal. West Ham are falling to pieces here. Pellegrini is in real trouble on the sidelines. It's West Ham 1, Arsenal 3. It's three goals in nine second half minutes. Pepe has scored the second, curling across in for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to half volley. Straight to the London Stadium. Uh, the Moose is in the tunnel, I believe. I am. I've got Manuel Pellegrini alongside me. Manuel, first of all, not the result you needed tonight. No, of course, it was not the result what you needed. Uh, we cannot... Uh win a game here in our home games, I think that are important points. Really difficult to understand how a team, a team can change in five minutes because before the first goal, Arsenal was not on the on the pitch. We dominate absolutely the game, we make a good pressing, we, good, uh, we recover the ball, we have some chances and after that in two minutes we lost the game. Yeah, I mean in the first half you deserve to be in front, you were ahead at the break but as you say three goals in nine minutes and, and that's killed you tonight. Yes, of course. That's why I always say that football, two or three balls, decide uh, the score. 
it seems uh, Arsenal play better than we, and they play maybe better five or six minutes, but they have good players that they score their, their, their goals. We did, did some, uh, or we made some mistakes in, in defending, and we allowed them to, to end the score. One win in ten. Are you now more worried about your job here than you were before? I worry not to win our home games because the last five games we have just one point here. And of course, we're here where you must be a strong, a strong team. For different reasons, we uh, repeat that we are conceding three goals in each uh, home game and that, is, and that way it's very difficult to win. How can you change it? Because if you're going to stay in a job, you've got to change it somehow. How, how are you going to change it? Because by the end, a lot of fans had left. Well, of course, the fans have left and they booed because they want to see their team winning here at home. So I understand the... What they, what they do. Uh, I think that we must try to play in 90 minutes in the way we did today, the first uh, 65. Thank you. Manuel Pellegrini there talking to us. Let's go and speak to West Ham fan. John uh, was at the game. as Daldo 8717223344. John, you just heard your gaffer talking there. What are your thoughts on what he had to say? I don't think he's got a clue, to be honest. I think he's, I think he's lost the faith for the dressing room. He's certainly lost the faith for the fans. And I think tactically, he just doesn't make changes quick enough when he should do. I think that we've got... Snodgrass playing out on the right hand side. He's got no. Every single time you're playing as a left back, you're going to work him out very quickly. That he's going to cut in on his left hand side every single time. And, it, and we, we did in the second half. We did come out. We did press, try to press Arsenal a bit more. And I think we should have got the second goal. But I think we got found out too quickly. And I think that's what's been happening in a lot of games. Um, I think we're very late. We got a very lazy front three. And I just don't think that he's, he, he doesn't. But Moose asked him there, what changes are you going to make to make a difference? Mm. He, he avoided the question because I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows what changes he can make because I don't think he's got the players to make the changes, to be truthful. Gary said earlier that when when they equalised Arsenal, you saw a change in the game. Now, we, we, you know, we don't watch football long enough to know that the goals change the direction of a, of a football match, but... It was so dramatic. I mean, you've gone from leading 1-0 and within the blink of an eye, the game has completely been taken away from you and there seemed to be a lack of, of genuine know-how how to stem the flow. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jason. And I'll be honest with you, the other thing is, is that's the frightening part, is that when they do concede a goal, and this has happened on more than one occasion, they, they, completely, go to, they completely go to pot. They lose, one, they lose two and three very, very quickly straight after. And that's, what, that's what's scary about what's going on there. You have someone like David Moyes or someone with a little bit more experience would, would, would stop the rot there and say, OK, let's consolidate the game and try and nick a goal and use it, use it to the best, of, use the players that we've got, use Antonio's strengths. We're just not doing it. It's not good enough. We're not got any pace. We try to play with three players. Hilaire in the middle when Antonio's not player. We haven't got the pace to play with which we, we just haven't got the players to do it, in, in my opinion. If, if Pellegrini was to go, John, who, who would you like to see come in? Honestly, I, I really don't know. But I, I think that, and I'm not having a go at the board. I know a lot of people moan at the board and what they've done in the stadium. It's got nothing to do with the stadium. Let, let's be honest. I mean, I, I'm, I, we went to Upton Park with lifelong West Ham fans. You know, it's not it's not Upton Park, but it's a new stadium. We can't we can't blame the stadium. I, I, I think what the board will end up doing is bringing someone like David Moyes or Chris Hewton in, steady the ship. And, and I, what I don't like is they'll probably give him a six-month contract and then appoint, try and appoint someone like Rafa Benitez at the end of the season. I think if they're going to do that, get someone in that can consolidate it and take the club forward. Because at the moment, I don't think... I think you, you said it earlier on, Jason, that was a lazy appointment with Pellegrini. Does, does relegation worry you, John? Do you think it's a possibility? Yeah, 
Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And what, what worries me even more is you look at the teams around us, I don't think that we've got the players to, to, uh, that are good enough to have the fight in them to go in a relegation battle. And that's what frightens me. When you look at Aston Villa, you know, and those sorts of clubs, they, they have got a little bit of something about them. I just don't see that we've got enough players around the likes of Mark Noble and Declan Rice to really go and have a scrap. Now to drive time, and Mr Durham here questioning Celtic for playing Fraser Forster despite Southampton paying over 50% of his wages. This came after the Hoops beat arch-rivals Rangers in the Scottish League Cup final on Sunday. Fraser Forster's 31. Uh, for a keeper, he's in his prime. And for the Scottish Premiership, he's way too good. Does Celtic need more help in winning the Scottish title? Do they need Southampton's financial assistance to win the Scottish Premiership title? Could Kilmarnock or St Johnston or St Mirren go to Southampton and say, please Southampton, can you give us a player and pay off his wages? It, it just feels so wrong that they get that assistance when they're already the biggest club financially in the division. To be fair, I think um, uh, they're going to probably have to do it Every year, because Rangers are getting closer to them, it's getting tighter. And I don't think Celtic, with the money they get from everything that goes around Scottish football, because they ain't got the same amount of sponsors, I think they'll have to, because Rangers will keep getting in players. They've spent money as it is. So Celtic can't go out and spend £30 on a footballer. They don't, do they? So they're going to do it more and more. They're going to get players who are not playing in the Premier League, and they're going to play half the wages, pay half the wages. It's going to happen more and more, Aid. You know what, It's. Um, I, I think that it's never been laid bare more starkly than it was yesterday. That the one player, I mean if you'd seen the game, you'd totally understand what I'm talking about. Without Fraser Forster, they do not win the game, Celtic. They do not win the cup. So fundamentally, Southampton have paid for Celtic's trophy. That cannot sit well with anybody in Scottish football. It's, it's a disgrace. And I, think, I feel the same way. I said it when uh, Defoe went to Rangers. I feel exactly the same way. But this situation, a player paid for by Southampton, more than half his wages, has won the cup for Celtic. Is, is that how Scottish football should be, really? Now we go over to Hawksby and Jacobs, where you can catch the boys weekdays on TalkSport for 1pm. Here's the sort of best bits from the show. Now, understand, Andy, mm. you had a fall at the weekend. Is this right? Oh, how do you know You that? told me. Oh, did I? How did I know about it? You said to me, I'll oh, tell yeah. you on air. You oh, said, I didn't realize. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought I hadn't mentioned it. No, you I said to me, it. oh, yeah, I'll oh, tell yeah. you on air that I had a fall. Oh, God. I was completely at... stacked it. Is this right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So where were you? I was on the tube. Uh, I was oh, coming yeah. in Leicester Square tube station, catching a train to the embankment mm. and Northern Line. Didn't fall the doors over, were he had open. a fall. No, the doors were open. Yeah. And I thought, I could just see it, and I thought, I'll sprint for that. Oh. And I, and I thought, I'll just make a nice... There was an empty space in front. There was no, there weren't a lot of people on the in the carriage. So I thought, yeah. I'll leap from the platform, gazelle-like, yeah. onto the platform and nice. arrive in a quite a stylish way. Yeah. And I caught my foot on the edge of the train <laughs> on step, the lip on the lip of the train set I went flying I landed full blast on both knees fell forward really really hurt people were coming around me are you alright mate are you alright sir are you okay <laughs> okay yeah yeah I'm fine <sighs> Oh, I wish I'd seen it. If anybody's filmed it, it'd be good. So you went down on the knees, caught oh, it, and then what, bag flying everywhere. Really Coat, painful, yeah. Coat bagged a lot, was it? Yeah. 
Glasses come off? Glasses skew if? I'm trying to get a mental image of this. Glasses did skew Bit Eric Morecambe sort of around the side of your head. It wasn't the most graceful entrance I've ever Headphones everywhere, bags. You didn't run into anybody, though. You didn't nut anybody on your way down. That would have been good, though. That would have been terrible. If it was a full carriage and you'd done that, you'd come and skittled a load of people. It would have been disastrous, wouldn't it? Yeah. Wow. There you go. So, how are the knees? They grazed or bruised or No, they're bruised. You've got a proper Nan's rhubarb and custard bruise. No, bruised inside. Oh, okay. Internal bruising. Can you tell that? It just surely it <laughs> manifests itself it as hurts. a bruise. Now it's the press box with Danny Kelly and Simon Jordan alongside them, Sean Custis and Craig Hope. Now looking at Manchester United, now I'm still in this of the camp that they made an unavoidable mistake, which is the pressure that was brought to bear by some of the performances that gave Man United a straw alongside a raft to be able to hang on to. Looking at what what Gonna Solskjaer said in the summer and some of the signings he made, I thought they were very sensible signings. Put Maguire to one side, but I looked at the the idea that they were going to recreate, rebuy the '92 mentality of buying younger players then that would feel the, the 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 right way about playing for Manchester United, perhaps better than maybe people like Sanchez and dare I say Pogba feel about playing for Manchester United with the Dan James of the world, don't um, break, you know the kid from Palace, Aaron Wampasaka. Yep. And those sort of signings. But I just can't see in my mind's eye. I think it's a tremendous week for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think he deserves his moment in the sun. But I look at it and think to myself, I do not put Manchester United in a situation where they should be le- someone should be learning their trade on their dime and in their time to compete with the likes of Guardiola and Klopp and try and bridge that gap when A, you haven't got players as good as those two sides and B, your coach is nowhere near it. Now, the flip side of that is Manchester United continue to prosper. They continue to be this powerhouse, this juggernaut of a financial institution within the confines of football that almost justifies the ends, justifying the means. But I don't think this swallow represents a summer. Mm. I don't think it does. It, it, says, it says that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer deserves his uh, day in the sun. There he is on the back page of the sun. <laughs> ah. But didn't he really prove to some people that he has a bit about him by the way this week happened? You think the pressure he was under, Pochettino's hanging around don't there. Don't you think these games, Sean, no, but, don't you think those but, games took care of themselves? The Sheffield United uh, and Aston Villa games. You can't win. You've just said last season that the games took care of themselves because they were easy ones. So therefore, oh, anybody could have won Sean, those. He Sean. had Tottenham and Manchester City. Right, and all the talk was that if he didn't win that one and that one and Everton, he'd have worse points tally than Mourinho did. Yep. Right, yep. last season, that was a tremendous. You you cannot knock it. You cannot say he didn't show some great strength. Didn't, they produced great football. Youngsters were superb. There is absolutely nothing you can criticise him for you, in the last week. You, nothing. You can't. You can't criticise the week. But let's wait until they've had a good month. Yeah, let's wait. Right. Until, let's wait until they've had a good four. But give months. him a good week. Yeah. Okay. Which we he's, are. He's had six, seven, eight, nine, ten badens. Right. Okay. That doesn't mean we can't give an opinion on on yeah, Doesn't good, mean good. I can't give an opinion saying good, I think he's played fully well. It begins. I, I, Even I, if it's I, wrong, Sean. Yeah. I think they've had a good week. <laughs> I want to wait till they've had a good month or a good four months like Liverpool and, and Leicester have had. Now, I read Solskjaer's quotes this morning and he was almost sort of revisiting and rewriting history a little bit this season in terms of he was talking about the margins and some of the games they've lost yeah. and how they've been unfortunate and but for a little bit of better luck that they have been the far, far stronger position. Now, I've been to a couple of those games where they lost, one in particular being the, the Newcastle match and there wasn't any margins in that. They, just, they were awful. They really were. They didn't turn up. Yeah. They didn't look like Manchester United. There was no strategy. There was no identity. Now, one or two of the players that day who were who were very poor, Mac, uh, Fred and McTominay, what were excellent on, on, on Saturday. So, so, yeah, listen, there's improvement there, but still a, a long, long way to go. But if, if someone was to say to you now, Mauricio Pochettino turns around tomorrow, I want the Manchester United job. 
Now, in a hypothetical situation, if I was them, I would still get rid of Solskjaer and give it to, to Pochettino. I don't think Solskjaer long-term is worth persevering with. We're going to wait. The noise is coming out of Old Trafford or that they will give until the end of the season. But, well, they said that last season, what, do we wake up in five years' time and they're still saying give it to Solskjaer at the end of the season? How long does... Does this go on? I mean, and, you know, Pochettino, uh, his holiday continues. I believe he's spending some time with Diego Maradona. Maradona. <laughs> um, what he's going to learn about football or, or football management from the great man, I don't know. But he might learn something about life, I suspect. Now let's cross over to our sister station, TalkSport 2. And here's Faye Carruthers, joined by England and Chelsea Ford, Bethany England, for the Women's Football Weekly. And they were discussing Megan Rapinoe's surprising win in the Ballon d'Or last week. England told TalkSport 2 her win turned the women's award into a popularity contest after Rapino had only played six games so far this season. Look, our job is to be footballers and just like the men's, theirs has voted on who's having the most profound season, like Messi, Ronaldo, um, Van Dijk, every, everyone else that was in, in the male category. And I think it should be exactly the same for women. It shouldn't be just about how much we post on our social medias. And like you touched on, Viv has been exceptional the last two seasons she had she got to a world cup final and i think that the netherlands were unfortunate to fall a bit short there um albeit i know the americans did a great job and won but yeah i I don't think it should be about popularity for me i think it should be about the football which is what the award's for in the first place and and i think megan winning that's kind of taken that away from the women's game a little bit that it was seen as a popularity trophy rather than a worthy footballing trophy and i think um for me personally there were other people that deserved it more England women and Chelsea for Bethany England. Lots of England's there. For all the latest in the women's game, tune into the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 every Monday at 6pm to 7pm. Back to the sports breakfast, and here's former Cruiserweight world champion Tony Bellew warning Anthony Joshua about a threat to his new heavyweight crown. Tony, what about uh, Usyk? You fought Usyk, uh, strong, strong man, but he's stepping up to heavy now against yeah. someone with the strength and power of Joshua. If that's the, his next fight, AJ, it might even be at uh, the Tottenham Stadium in North London. Would yeah. Usyk be a big danger to him? Of course, Alexander Usyk is a big danger to anyone else. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a very, very good fighter in his own right. Uh, I just think the only thing that is missing with Alexander Usyk is, is the sheer size and the weight. So what he'll find is, you know, he'll probably be beating all these guys for five or six rounds. Very similar to how I was beating him, to be honest, until I got tired. Uh, and then what will happen is he'll catch up with him. Yeah. And that's, I, I don't get I do think he beats everybody. I think the only two guys who are going to be a step too far will probably be Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, depending on which Joshua comes in. The Joshua, who turned up on Saturday night with Ruiz, I think that's a perfect model. You're listening to TalkSport Daily. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's head over to Jim White and Natalie Sawyer. Here's Danny Murphy talking Duncan Ferguson and what Everton should do with the former frontman. For now, that's the way to go. And I think Duncan should be left in charge and not rush into a new manager and just assess where they're at. You know, don't rush in now. Not There's going to be better quality coaches available in the summer than there is right now. Um, the only th- the, the, Are you saying leave him in charge? I'd leave him. The I'd season, leave him. Danny. Fans are behind yeah, him. The players yeah, seem to, yeah. you know, give him at least give him half a dozen games. Do you know what? I think that's a great point. I'll be interested in you from Evertonians on that. Danny, before you go on, this was Duncan's taking it. Have a listen to this. Absolutely, we're in the relegation zone. We're in the bottom three, so it's you know to to, to get their points. It's just unbelievable, and, and of course the fans have been frustrated as well because the team has been struggling a little bit. But now for that to get a lift like that and to beat Chelsea, who are a good team, a fantastic team, aren't they? So you know to come here and, and, and to, to be here and to beat them three one, it was fantastic, and I was absolutely delighted for the fans. Fans first for me. Always. See, he epitomises everything that is Everton, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. But you have to, don't don't get me wrong. Just because you played for a team and you played with the passion that Duncan did, doesn't mean you can transfer that to the team just because you were. But he did seem to get a reaction. I think that Everton have just lost their way a little bit. Sometimes I watch them, and especially early on this season, thinking, "What are they trying to do? Are they defensive and playing on the counter? They were never on the. You know what? What is their?" What's what what's their philosophy in this game? What what's their plan? And um, the only time I saw a decent plan was at Leicester, but that was a, a defensive setup. And Evertonians generally don't want to see that. You know, they want to see the team have a go, and they did have a go. But I th- I think the short term view for Evertonians: a get out that bad position they're in down by the bottom. Yeah. Get back to high energy, high intensity football. They want to see players having a go, and not trying to be too strategic and and. Uh, worry about tactics so much. Give your all, especially at home. Get the fans on board, and then see where you're at. Don't you know they're they're, they're nowhere near now going to be t- uh, top six. It's not going to happen. So stability. Yeah. Get back to hard to beat. Get the team shape right, which he did at the weekend, and build from there. And then somewhere down the line, you can start thinking about adding those bits of quality. They've but their recruitment has been. Trying to get players in who are going to get them to the level of or play like City or play like Liverpool, and they're not there yet. Mm. You've got to have an identity. And Evertonians would be interested. You know, is it? I think Evertonians will sacrifice that playing out from the back and looking like a good side at times. You know, lots of the ball and 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 play with more passion and intensity on the front foot and and have a go at teams and win. If you lose playing that way, they'll still back you, the Evertonians. And in the same breath, keep Duncan in charge then. For the foreseeable future, like yeah. leave him to go into twenty twenty in charge, running th- it his I, way. Well, you know, never playing see, this way. I think if he can keep a, you know, next few games, get that same reaction. It's not all about results. 
It's about playing with that passion that they did at the weekend. He's, he's got them playing with passion. Now, just quickly, I think that if, for example, Brendan had gone in when Silver had gone in, remember when we talked about it, when Everton needed a manager, I was yeah. like, Brendan would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. Now, could Brendan, with Everton's investment, for example, back then, have Everton in Leicester's position now? Well, possibly. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he walked into a Leicester squad that was better than Everton's, probably. But I, I do think you could still get Everton competing, playing decent football. I'm not saying go long ball. I'm just saying, at the moment, horses for courses, you know? Sure. Get them back to playing the Everton way and get the fans behind you. And if anyone can do it at the moment, it'll be Dunk. And finally, here's some best bits from the sports bar. I'm just going to come out and say it. I've got a fear of pigeons. You've got a fear of pigeons? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had an ex-girlfriend who was from Wales. I've got a fear of pigeons. And this is her fault, not mine. What's your name? Lewis. Lewis, OK. Well, I mean, can Gary... Would it, would I we... understand it. Uh, no. I don't, yeah, pigeons no. are a little bit scary. I'm scared of crows. Crows scare me. They're bigger, they? Mm. But, anyway, I've got a... Um, I used to have an ex-girlfriend. I used to live in Wales. Right. And um, we were driving in her little car, and she had the, uh, the window slightly down, ever so slightly... And she was singing along to this song, which I thought she looked crazy for. And all of a sudden, when she was singing, this pigeon managed to take a poo from where it was, went all the way down, and then it came through the window. And while she was singing, it went into her mouth. <laughs> and then she threw up in the car, which meant we had to pull over. I mean, this is, this is a bad string of events. I mean, yeah. I mean, all this to happen. I mean, how, in terms of inches, how much was the window open? Well, not very much at all. Well, I can't really remember. I was pretty horrific. It was pretty horrific at the time. Yeah, I bet. So I was looking at her thinking, oh, well, we've got to pull over. I've got to get out. I'm not going to get back in the car because yeah. uh, you're not doing very well for yourself here. So, uh, yeah. I mean, is that is that the reason why you've got a fear of pigeons? That's it? Well, I've got, I've got like, quite a few fear of pigeons. I've like, like, three pigeons have hit me in my lifetime. Hit you? So, have they hit you? What, with their wings? Well, the whole pigeon. Full-on pigeon. So it flew at you. I like, flew at me, yeah. Like Gary said, I mean, they're not. I mean, they're, they're vermin, aren't they? They're not particularly yeah. nice creatures. No, they're not. You'll be listening to the Talksport Daily podcast. Please click and subscribe via Acast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Don't forget that tonight on Talksport from seven pm. Hugh Risencroft presents kickoff from Chelsea versus Lille in the Champions League. We're taking your calls on the sports bar from 10pm straight after I'm alongside Perry Groves. There'll be another one of these podcasts same time tomorrow. Great show today and another great edition of The Pod tomorrow. That was a podcast from Talk Sport. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.